0: Is Teddy Bridgewater really a quarterback to target and which passers are facing the hardest schedule in 2020? We're talking all of that and more on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to RotoViz Radio, brought to you by Bet Online, Blue Chew, and the FFPC. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at RotoViz, joined by the Editor in Chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matt Friedman. What's going on, Matt? How are you? Uh,
1: I'm doing okay. You know, still uh, to the best of my knowledge, haven't gotten coroned. So, you know, just one day at a time. Nice. Well, the twenty twenty
0: NFL schedule came out last week, so I have to imagine that has been taking up most of your time since then.
1: No, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, not not really. I'm I'm a lazy person. Uh, I have looked at, you know, week one, uh, you know, and I can't remember there were a couple teams that have a weird uh weird schedule of like week thirteen, they're on by. Uh yes. which like that's really weird. But you know, for the most part, schedule, I kind of don't care that much.
0: Right, I think isn't the um whole week 13 buy thing about getting the games into Thanksgiving with the way things fell or like into Thanksgiving week? I think is what I had read.
1: Uh, I mean, maybe, but there are only <clears throat> only two teams that have a buy in week 13. like it's just it's yeah. weird like Carolina uh, is one of the teams, and then the Buccaneers have the buy in week 13, and we saw, um in previous seasons, a couple of teams have buys in week 12. Um, But this year, there are no buys in week 12.
0: Mm. Yeah, that is pretty peculiar. Um, At any event, though, um, let's let's hear a I don't know if you're ready for this, Matt, but I have a stat attack for you brought to you by the FFPC. In today's FFPC stat attack is me pointing out to you that in 2019, Teddy Bridgewater ranked eight in completion percentage in 13 in QBR, as a reminder, FFPC is home to the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty, Best Ball, and of course, the world-famous FFPC main event. To learn more or to join a league, head to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And of course, we've got a handful of tools at Rotoviz designed specifically for FFPC domination. Not my greatest segue ever, but we did talk about uh, Carolina with the odd buy. I wanted to talk to you about Teddy Bridgewater. I've been seeing a lot of positive things people, put, or people are putting out there about Teddy Bridgewater and this landing spot in Carolina. Some of those things being the high completion percentage that he has had uh, playing with receivers that can generate yards after the catch. Christian McCaffrey being a boon to his fantasy value. I don't know if I'm entirely sold on Bridgewater being this great option to target. And I think some of it is, or or for other people, they're interested in Bridgewater because it's not like he has a very high price tag, but I'm still not really sure if we should be all that excited. I know we've briefly touched upon this on the past, but um, maybe you can just kind of catch me up to catch me up here on, on what you're
1: feeling about Bridgewater. Um. Yeah, I don't really have much enthusiasm about Bridgewater. Um, Early in his career, he was at least competent as a runner, and he didn't do it that often, but he still averaged, I believe, like 4.4 yards per attempt uh, his first two years in Minnesota. So it was like something that he could do competently, even if he didn't do it a lot. You know, like he averaged around 200 yards rushing per season his first two years with the Vikings. Um, But... Last year, he had just 1.1 yards per attempt. Uh, you know, with his catastrophic knee injury, I think it's just fair to assume he's unlikely to be someone who uh, really takes off. So he's pretty much a, a pocket bound passer, which I guess you can get away with if you are the type of quarterback who is like Mahomes and maybe has like the potential to throw 40 touchdowns in a season but I don't really see that from Bridgewater either. So he kind of lacks the things that we want in a quarterback. So I think like the best that we can say for him is that if everything goes perfectly, um if they throw the ball a lot and if the guys who catch the ball get a lot of yards after the catch, which is possible given the guys he's throwing to, then Bridgewater could be I don't think even like a low end QB1, but could be like one of those sort of high-ish-end QB2s who has production that's fairly close to a low-end quarterback one. You know what I mean? But, like, that's about it. Um, That's not horrible for a guy who right now is going off the board as, like, the, what, like, number 24 quarterback? Yep. But, yep. uh, I don't know. It's not, like, something that you're going to chase either. So... He's just one of those guys that you wait and wait on quarterback. And if, let's say, it's a best ball league, you get him as your second quarterback, eh, whatever. Totally fine.
0: Right. Um. Kind of along those lines, I think one of the things that's factoring into this is Matt Rule, uh, former head coach at Baylor, stepping into the fold here for Carolina. Some people are thinking that this could lead to you know, some type of step forward in Carolina's offense, um, maybe more on like a global level here, but how do you feel about college coaches transitioning into the NFL? And do you think that people should be getting excited about moves like this before we actually see that coach play out a NFL season?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, we were enthusiastic about Cliff Kingsbury last year, and it's not like that was, uh, like the second coming of fantasy goodness, but it was still like better than average. So, yep. you know, Matt rule, uh, he had a solid program at, uh, temple. Um, you know, like already we've seen him, you know, with Robbie Anderson turn a guy who, I mean, like Robbie Anderson was like a cornerback to open his college career and then transitioned to wide receiver where he had success at temple under rule. um, you know, so we've already seen him at temple have success. And then we saw him at Baylor have success. Yeah. I mean, we can be, I think, moderately enthusiastic. The thing is like Bridgewater last year, I believe if he wasn't last, he was pretty close to being last in average depth of target. Like, yeah, he completes a lot of passes because he's just throwing them, you know, like two yards past the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, and maybe that that's fine. But, uh, I think I don't know when like when you have a guy like Bridgewater who can't really leave the pocket and doesn't attack downfield, I think like any enthusiasm that you would maybe have for the play caller needs to be minimized.
0: Yeah, I think that sums it up perfectly. So my final thought on this would be, like you said, if he's there in a best ball, perhaps he's an interesting player to to sprinkle into some of your teams. Um, but I wouldn't get confused by any of the hype that you see around him, making you think that maybe he's a guy you want to draft, uh, target and redraft. Can we,
1: can we talk about him a little bit more just to totally, uh, take over the show? It's the Teddy Bridgewater show. Uh, All right, let's do it. Would you rather have, let's look at some of the guys going after Bridgewater. So like Sam Darnold, Gardner Minshew, Derek Carr, Tyrod Taylor. Would you rather have any of those guys before Teddy Bridgewater?
0: I'm not saying this just to be like a contrarian here. I think I'd rather have all of them before
1: Bridgewater. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking. Maybe not Darnold. Actually, let me rephrase that. 100% not Darnold. Okay. Um, but I think Minshew has higher upside. Yep. Derek Carr actually was pretty decent last year. And if they just throw the ball a little bit more or if his playmakers – Make just a few more plays. Like he has more weapons, better weapons around him this year. Uh, Derek Carr, I think could be better than Teddy Bridgewater. Tyrod Taylor has the rushing capability. Like we've seen that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think all of those guys except for Darnold, I would rather have ahead of Bridgewater. You know, like I just, I kind of don't see even even Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think I would probably have over Bridgewater because maybe Fitzpatrick doesn't play the whole season, but assuming he starts the season, so maybe I don't want him in best ball because I'm a little less certain about him for the 16 games, but assuming Fitzpatrick starts the season, I mean, he's already like in week one. He's facing the Patriots. He's going to be in YOLO mode, just throwing the ball all over the field, you know, (laughs) like Fitzpatrick has the capability of having some big games. I just don't really see that from Bridgewater.
0: Yeah, I really don't think that there's this tremendous amount of upside to be real, uh, to be realized. And, you know, an interesting thing, um, him having that completion percentage, which I think largely comes from being conservative, actually might even be a negative. You know, you're not going to have the Jameis Winston situations where he puts the team so far behind that they have to just start chucking it downfield. Um, so it's like when, when I'm trying to come up with ways where you see him have these really big weeks that might differentiate himself from some of these other low end options, I just have trouble arriving at it. The other thing that we're going to get into here too, is Carolina, um, their schedule and from, we'll talk a little bit more about how I come up with these rankings, but he actually has a very difficult fantasy quarterback schedule, um, which for most players doesn't really matter to me, but for a player like Bridgewater, I think you have to take it into account, which is another reason why a player like Tyrod Taylor, um, I would put ahead. Not that he has a significantly easier schedule, um, but like you said, there's the rushing upside. It's just easier for me to see a path to his success. And then I understand, like you said, um, being excited about the weapons around there, but perhaps with the type of player that Bridgewater is, he's not one that can really make use of the weapons that he does have. Um, and, and if, you know, if you're factoring Robbie Anderson into some of this excitement, I really would be worried about going too far with that analysis.
1: Yeah, actually, let me just, are you, are you going to a break here? Um, will you give us some thoughts? Then we'll go to a break. Okay. Can you say again what it was you said about strength of schedule with the Carolina Panthers?
0: I said with the Carolina Panthers, they actually, in terms of for a quarterback's schedule, yeah. Um, which I wasn't planning, I'll, I'll explain it now because we're going to talk about it on this episode in, in next week too, or the next episode this week. So we have a tool um, at RotoViz that I've designed to look at, strength of schedule and it does a couple of of things but the summary here really is what the tool does is for each defense it finds the fantasy relevant players that have played against that defense and i honestly forget what i found to be the most predictive number of games to go back but it's using that and it's saying in these games when facing fantasy relevant quarterbacks let's use minnesota as an example do those players perform better or worse than average? And it does some things to remove performances that you wouldn't really want to factor in. But it's just not you. like the, the moral of the story here is we're taking an approach that is much more advanced than just looking at fantasy points allowed to a position. So it gives you a much better idea of how players are going to be able to perform against specific defenses. Uh, and again, only the fantasy relevant players. And when you look at the schedule that the Panthers are facing based upon how teams finished last year, it's a bit of a gauntlet, which makes me even more concerned for a player like Bridgewater. So if I'm taking shots on players toward the end of the draft, that might be something that I would view. Whereas, you know, with like a really good player, like a, like a Drew Brees, I'm not going to really factor in the schedule too much, but for a player like Bridgewater, it's hard for me to ignore.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Let's, let's talk more about this after the break.
0: Okay. All right. So We will take a minute for a quick word from our sponsor bet Online. with currently no NBA NHL or MLB you might think that there's nothing to bet on well you'd be wrong our exclusive partner bet online still has hundreds of events games and props to wager on from their online casino to poker and blackjack they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest all open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BlueWire to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. So actually, the question that I had for you next on the show sheet, Matt, was how heavily do you factor in strength of schedule for fantasy quarterbacks, Um, which, you know, that might play into where you wanted us to to go with this uh, next piece of our conversation anyway.
1: Yeah. So I'll just say I'm uh, not super sophisticated, which shouldn't surprise anyone when it comes to uh, really thinking about strength of schedule when I'm doing uh, you know, like yearly projections uh for guys, you know, so I'm just now real I haven't really even started the process of doing it. I've done some rough rankings, but very soon I'm gonna start doing projections for uh the twenty twenty season. And um I don't really have, I think, a great way of incorporating strength of schedule into that. Uh for a lot of players, I think it's pretty noisy. Um like wide receiver and tight end in particular for uh for quarterback and running back I think it probably is a little bit stickier but um Chris Ravon at uh you know Fantasy Labs and Action Network uh actually just recently published uh you know fantasy strength of schedule um looking at some previous data and projecting that forward and he actually has Carolina as having the easiest strength of schedule uh for Teddy Bridgewater which is interesting. Uh, I'm not saying like you're wrong and he's right or he's wrong and right. you're right. Like I think there's just so much subjectivity that goes into this that it's, it's hard to know really how it is that we should, we should project uh, strength of schedule for quarterbacks and any other position.
0: Yeah, you know, the interesting thing about it is I will do an analysis like this and then when I come to sit down and actually do my projections of the stats that a team and their players are going to accumulate in the given season. I don't really factor this in at all. And when I'm doing my rankings, I won't look at this that much. It's just kind of more to me, like something that I look at when I need to break a tie between a couple of players or just to give myself an added layer of context in a situation where I'm really not sure what to expect. Um, So I, I think we're kind of in agreement there. Um, like overall in the process, that's really interesting. Though, um, I'll have to go and look at that article from Ray Bond. Does he kind of break down how he
1: came up with it at all? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, he doesn't go super into the nuts and bolts of it, but uh, yeah, he touches on it. Interesting. All right, I'm gonna have to,
0: I'm gonna have to check that out. And I think the other um thing that that does highlight is how any one metric or anything really that you're looking at in fantasy, you don't want to let it be the entire driving factor in the decision that you make, because, you know, it's very possible we both could have taken a very valid approach that makes some sense and arrive at these vastly different answers.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you have here that, uh, Drew Locke has the hardest schedule of every passer. I mean, Raybon has him as the 28th uh, hardest schedule. Like, so I mean, in, in some ways you guys are probably overlapping quite a bit. Yep. All right, so um, I wanted
0: to talk about Drew Locke next. Um, you know, it looks like he could have a hard schedule for fantasy for a fantasy passer. Has Melvin Gordon now? Denver added some weapons for him in the draft. What do you think a fair expectation is for him in the coming season?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's tough. I mean, let, let's think about where we would want to put him in comparison to some of the the other guys that we talked about before. Uh no. I think he's I mean, I don't would you want him before Bridgewater? Uh you know,
0: I'm inclined to say that I would. And I think what it goes back to again is just the possibility of Locke maybe surprising me. Whereas I just think the odds of Bridgewater surprising me are so low. Yeah. Um it, but you know it's odd because in my mind I start to think about the fact that they have Jerry Judy And a couple other young players that I'm interested in. But then it's like, all right, really, though, I can't factor that into Locke's projection, if you will, if I'm not going to factor it in for Bridgewater because he has such a fantastic group of players around him.
1: Well, I mean, like Locke has a wider range of outcomes, you know, like I think that's fair to say, like he could be with the weapons around him if he does something kind of approaching what he did his junior year of college. He could be a quarterback one. Um, if he struggles, then he could be, you know, like a Dwayne Haskins level esque type of player. You know, like he could just be absolute trash. We just, we really don't know.
0: Um, does that mean that you view Dwayne Haskins as absolute trash?
1: <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> or at least what he did last year. What he did last year was obviously <laughs> bad. You know?
0: Yeah, it was. You know, which, I have to say, uh, to me, was surprising how bad it was. Now, some of that I really do think could be the situation that he was placed into. But coming out of school, like when I was looking at his profile, it was really, really strong. So I, to a large extent, kind of was surprised. And Drew Locke was a player that I wasn't nearly as high on as most.
1: Yeah, I mean, Haskins, obviously, there were things to like about him when he was coming out. But wasn't he uh, like relatively statuesque? Am I remembering that incorrectly? Like that was the
0: one thing No, you're right, which was hilarious because I think it was Stephen A. Smith was talking about how he was more of a uh, rusher than a passer. Oh yeah, that was like, that was nope, total crap. Nope. That
1: was a horrible yep. take. Uh yeah, Stephen A uh when he talks about football, it doesn't work out as well for him. No. But uh, <laughs> no yeah, his you know, his final season of college, and granted this takes sacks into account, but he had seventy nine uh seventy nine attempts, only a hundred and eight yards rushing. Like he's not really much of a runner. And I don't know, like in today's NFL, I just, I think that's really problematic.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's certainly becoming clear. You look at some of these top players in the league and by and large, most of them, if they're not excellent scramblers, they can still move around, um, you know, and have a good pocket presence. Um, And it does seem like we're trending to more of a game where your quarterback is going to be able to, going to have to be able to move uh let's let's move along here though um this kind of goes back to the whole strength of schedule concept and i think that now we know where your answer is going to be here uh but i'll still ask it because i think it's a question that some people might have if i told you that tom brady and drew Brees had the second and third hardest schedules would that concern you at all as a fantasy drafter in 2020
1: hmm. that's interesting uh no probably not
0: yeah I mean, I actually think I'm in agreement with you. Like I said, I think the analysis matters more for kind of players on the margin uh, than a player like Tom Brady or Drew Brees. And some of this goes into the teams that they're playing with, the players that they have around them. Um, you know, both of these guys, I, I'm expecting their teams to be pretty solid. And of course, you know, the other thing we do have to bring up when you're looking at strength of schedule for an entire positional unit like a defense. It's not sticky year over year. There's a lot of changes you can not account for. Um, So for players like them that are so established in offenses with really good players, I don't read in too much. Uh, Hey, though, I do have good news for our boy, Kyler Murray. He does have one of the easiest schedules. Now that we've had some more time to reflect on DeAndre Hopkins landing in this new Cliff Kingsbury offense, how good are you feeling about Kyler Murray next season?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I'm just, I'm looking at the, at the, uh, action network. Um, and he's, he has the, uh, the 25th, uh, schedule. So, you know, like the eighth hardest or something like that. Uh, so funny. Um, I don't know. I just don't think of it either way. Like whether he has an easy schedule or not, I just think everything's going to be better in that offense. Uh, I think it probably helps that they got rid of David Johnson. So now they have Kenyon Drake, so a better running situation, uh, Murray and Kingsbury have another year in the league and another year together. Obviously, the addition of DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, in theory, the maturation of uh Christian Kirk and maybe Andy Isabella. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all good. I would expect Kyler Murray to be better than he was last year. And he was, you know, like uh what was he like the number eight quarterback last year? Something like that. I mean, I think it makes sense for him to be drafted in the top five this year.
0: Right. Um, and then, as far as Hopkins goes, um, does this I guess I'm trying to think of just a kind of like a different way to ask the question that I already did. But let's say that Hopkins, uh, yeah, this is probably the better way for me to ask this. Let's say that Hopkins wasn't in Arizona this season. How much less optimistic would you have been?
1: Mm, I probably still would have thought he should be a top five, but uh, yeah, I, yeah, I just yeah, I, I mean, feel much more. Confident in the optimism now. You know? Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that it it certainly has to help because I think even if it's something that you aren't able to see reflected, perhaps like in Hopkins' numbers, um, you know, it's possible that maybe they're not quite as stellar as they've been the last couple of years. I mean, I do think that overall for that offense, it certainly has to help.
1: I think he has a much but, higher floor.
0: Yeah, I, I could see that as well. Um but In comparison to Deshaun Watson, well, let's kind of frame this, actually. Do you view Watson, like, from an NFL perspective as a top six passer at this point? Yeah. Okay, yeah, me too. And Kyler Murray, you also think, it sounds like, from an NFL perspective, very realistically could be in that group,
1: but not there yet. From a fantasy perspective, I think he's a top six quarterback. From, yep. like, a like, real-life perspective, I don't think he's top six yet.
0: OK, do you think that he has the potential to be or is that a little bit higher? than? Yeah, I think
1: I think he has the potential to be.
0: Yeah. OK. All right. So um, we do need to uh, take another quick word from another one of our sponsors and then we might wrap up with an extra question or two here. BlueChew's online physician is free of cost and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BlueWire. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, BlueChew.com, promo code BlueWire. All right, Matt, I'm going to give you... Kind of like uh, a couple of quick hitters here. Rank these players for me in 2020. A couple of older quarterbacks, Ben Roethlisberger, Matthew Stafford, and Philip Rivers.
1: Ooh, um, it's not pretty. I think probably Stafford first, and then yep. Roethlisberger, and then Rivers. Uh, okay, yeah, that's think exactly will, what I had. I think Rivers will just be a handoff machine. Uh, I could see Roethlisberger, if everything goes right with his receivers, uh, going past Stafford. But I think Stafford probably is safer.
0: Yep. Uh, And the Colts want you to think that, uh, you know, it's going to be a handoff to Jonathan Taylor, one play Marlon Mack the next way, which is completely preposterous. Um, But maybe we can talk about that in the future. Rank these players for me in 2020. Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson.
1: I mean, Dak is number one. I don't think there's any question there. Um, I would say, ah, man, Uh, I think Wilson has a higher floor maybe than Josh Allen, but Allen might have a higher ceiling. This is so, Rick, this is so crazy
0: that Josh Allen is actually like a he's become a fixture that we actually have to talk about and not just to beat up on at this point it really is possible that you might prefer him to russell wilson For for fantasy yeah i
1: mean that's that's very reasonable it's because he's basically cam newton like just in terms of his playing style what he gives you on the ground He's pretty Cam Newton-esque, except he just can't throw the ball the way that Cam could, which is kind of yep. saying something because uh, Cam was never, you know, obviously known for right. passing. But um, yeah, I would I would go with Wilson if I wanted someone that I felt like, OK, I know for sure this guy is going to be here the entire season. And like, I have a pretty solid sense of what he could give me, Alan, if I'm open more to a range of outcomes.
0: Got it. Um, not on the show sheet, but now I'm curious about this. Let's say that you are running an NFL franchise just for this upcoming season, just for 2020. You don't have to worry about the long term. Who do you rather have as your quarterback? The current version of Cam Newton or the current version of Josh Allen? Josh Allen. Me too. (laughs) Me too. It's crazy. Yeah. All right. The other question I had for you is this one. Um. You're starting an NFL franchise, and each one of these three players, we're going to pretend that we're at a point in time where they're 24, okay? Um, So basically, you're going to have them for presumably the long term. Uh, Brett Favre, Drew Brees, Troy Aikman, and I included Aikman because I'm assuming you kind of grew up watching him. I don't know how good you actually perceived him to be.
1: Okay, well, here's the question. Do I... Do I have the knowledge of what these guys turn into or do I have to pretend that I'm thinking of them when they're in fact 24 years old? Um, uh, Give me
0: give me both because I'm, I'm actually genuinely interested in like how you would approach this answer both ways.
1: OK, well, if I'm thinking of them when they're 24 years old, uh, I think it's pretty clearly Aikman. Um, yep. Because even though... <laughs> Even though he uh, kind of struggled early on in his career, um, you know, like his rookie season sucked. Uh, that, a lot of that had to do with just like the players around him. When he was 24, he was still just in his second season and he was the number one over, overall pick the year before. I think I'd probably still go with Aikman, although, like, man, I'm looking at the numbers. They were really bad. Like, they mm-hmm. were just so bad. It's amazing he actually made it into the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, I think I still go with Aikman. Uh, okay. Favre, I don't think I would actually go with Favre. I'd probably go with Breeze before Favre. Like if I'm just thinking of them at 24, if I were able to have like foresight of what they turn into, um, but I can get them at 24, I would definitely go with Breeze.
0: Okay. Yeah. I figured that's what the answer would be. Um, so a lot of people love Brett Favre and think he was fantastic. Are you in that group of people? Are you a little more on the fence on Favre?
1: Um, no, I'm not so much into Favre. Um, I mean, he just threw so many interceptions, you know, like, yeah, not, th- I mean, not that he like, wasn't great, but, um, I don't know, man, like he just threw so many interceptions. Like there's kind of a reason why his team like didn't win more than it did, you know, like,
0: yeah, exactly. It's like one of those for every great play that he makes that's so much fun to go back and watch.
1: You know, he made a couple of really bad plays. Um, I mean, is he? Is he like, this is going to sound almost blasphemous, but like, yeah, is he the slightly better version of Jameis Winston? <laughs> um,
0: I think that he's probably a tear up from Jameis Winston.
1: I mean, yeah. Okay. So maybe rephrase like, that. For a not player slightly, that we talk about in such not a historical context, better, but we'll yeah. say he's the better version of Jameis Winston. But like, that feels, yeah. that feels like, like what he is. You it know. does
0: feel somewhat appropriate. Now, I will admit, um, I probably have a bit of a bias against Brett Favre, seeing as uh, when I was in third grade, uh, the Brett Favre-led Packers did beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Uh, and I've, as you can tell, I'm still not really over that. But yeah, um, I, will, I will definitely accept that premise, Matt.
1: Okay. Well, uh, glad that we could relive the trauma of third grade for you.
0: Yes. All right. Anyways, um, I think we can close there. That does it for this episode. You can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Dave Capen FF and at Matt at the Oracle. Thanks to BetOnline, BlueChew and the FFPC for sponsoring the show. Make sure to rate, review and subscribe. And as always, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe.